Hey everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about discipline why discipline is so important. I actually really love the word that the Bible uses frequently in place of discipline, and it's training. Because I have found that over the last 28 years of parenting, it really is more like training. It's this consistency. It's creating new habits in our kids, new habits in ourselves. I'm going to be talking about more of that in just a few minutes. But first of all, I want to welcome you. If you are a new listener, you might not know much about me. So very quickly, I am married to Daryl. We've been married for 30 years. Our kids are uh, ages 14 to 28, and we've been homeschooling for over 23 years. Um, we have our sixth grandchild due here soon, and we are so excited. We love our big family. We love the fact that we homeschool. We wouldn't change a thing about any of it, but God has taught us a lot along the way, and this is why I do what I do, is to share with you and encourage you and inspire you um, to be faithful to following what God is telling you to do with your kids. And discipline is definitely across the board something all of us need to be practicing in our everyday lives. Um, before I get started on that, I also want to say to those of you who have been listening and consistently or you know just here and there, thank you also for being here and thank you for leaving reviews and comments. Um, I would love for you to continue to do that and to share the podcast with your friends. If you haven't checked out The Unhurried Homeschooler, it is my mercifully simple I guess I, I usually say simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. And it's on Amazon. And you know, summer is such a great time to reset. If you're feeling like you might need to tweak some things with your homeschooling or maybe revamp it all together, I think this book would be a real encouragement to you. So I, I encourage you to go check that out. Now, I don't know what your experience with discipline is. I don't know how you were raised. We were all raised vast and varied ways, you know, as far as, uh, you know, specifically, I want to talk about discipline today. Maybe you weren't raised in a household with a lot of discipline, and now you're looking at your kids and you're thinking, I really want to make sure that I have you know reasonable boundaries on them. I'd like them to have more boundaries than I did. I don't know what this is supposed to look like. Maybe um, you were on the other end of the spectrum where you were in a household full of legalism, where um, you had a uh, your parents maybe had a heavy hand. And you know, I can honestly say as a as a parent who's down the road now, um, you know, we all just, we really do try to do the best we can with what we have. And God is faithful to meet us where we are, no matter what our background is. And so, first of all, I don't want you to be afraid of discipline from either, you know, whether you came from a legalistic, harsh background or whether you came from um, a not disciplined enough background. The, the the temptation is to pendulum swing one way or the other um, to maybe go the opposite of what our parents did. And sometimes we inadvertently do the same as our parents, even though we really don't want to. So uh, the most important thing in all of this is that we understand what God has to say. And we hear what God has to say about discipline and about raising children. So let's dive into this topic. And you guys know that I talk with homeschool moms all the time. And often as they're sharing their journeys and their frustrations with me, I, I often find that 
it's not not always the case, but frequently their frustrations are rooted in their kids' character. Now, sometimes, obviously, our character comes into play as well, and we do need to pay attention to that. But um, depending on you know the person, often we will either blame the kids more or we'll blame ourselves more. I tended to blame myself more. Uh, you know, the mom guilt thing, which isn't healthy either, and I'll be talking more about that in just a minute. But my experience has been no different. Um, I often found myself literally avoiding a certain child or more than one child or all of my children. And, you know, maybe when they walk in the room, I, I would literally cringe like, oh no, what do you want? Oh, you know, because I just knew this person or people were going to come into the room and suck the life out of me. And I learned quickly that that was a huge red flag that I needed to pay attention to. Now, I mentioned this red flag thing a lot with moms because we f- sometimes feel guilty for the being frustrated with our kids or frustrated with ourselves. And Really, you guys, this is what this is. This is a signal from God for us to stop, to hit the pause button, to pray through and think through what is really going on. Ask God to give us wisdom and clarity because sometimes, you know, we'll think it's the kids and it's really us that God needs. There's something in our hearts that needs to change or vice versa. So it's important that we... uh, hit that pause button and go to God first and say, Lord, what is this? Because he has full perspective. He can see everything and he will give us wisdom. He tells us that in James 1. So this, these red flags we get, these negative feelings that we have, we often feel guilty for. God is saying, woohoo, time to pay attention to something. So let's start looking at it as just a little, you know, a little bell ringing, something reminding us that we need to maybe hit the pause button and listen to the Lord's voice. I remember, um, talking with my husband about disciplining the kids as I often did, but at certain points, I don't know about you guys, but I hate disciplining my kids. I really do. Unless I can really see that it's for their good, um, and I'm and I'm feeling, you know, strengthened by the Lord in my own nature, I just want my kids to like me. I want to be friends with them. I, I mean I want them to do what I tell them to do, but I but I also want to be their friends. And and that is there's some legitimacy to that because we want to keep relationship with our kids, right? But we also need to keep a a certain level of respect that needs to come from them to us. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But I remember saying to my husband, okay, I'm seeing this character issue in this kid and do I have to do anything? Like maybe they'll grow out of it or... um, Maybe it's not really a problem. You know, I'm trying to talk myself out of having to actually discipline this child. And my husband would look at me and say, well, let's think about what is this going to look like when they're teenagers? This particular behavior, what does that play out like as they get older? And every single time I would say, oh, you're right. Okay, we need to deal with this. So, if you are um, 
disciplining younger children. Um, I mean, don't freak out. Don't, you know, like we can get almost microscopic about it and worry about every single thing. But I'm just saying if there's something consistently rearing its head, that's what you need to pay attention to. Kids are going to do foolish things because they're children. And we need to recognize the difference between foolishness and childishness. You know, a, a child knocks over a glass of milk. Well, the question is, were they told very clearly to stop messing around, to stop, you know, flailing or whatever it is they're doing at the table? Um, and because they didn't obey, they knocked the glass of milk over. Or was it just an accident? These are things we need to bear in mind, um, especially in the younger years. But even as they get older in the teen years, sometimes they get a little clumsy. And so we need to be gracious um, for, for that. But... Um, Anyway, all that to say, if you see some character issues coming up on a very consistent basis, I would encourage you to take the time to deal with it. I usually like to talk to my husband about something, things like that, and we would talk about how the fact that it existed and it was happening, so we were on the same page and we were both aware, um, because you know he would be gone to work and he wouldn't always know, and then we would talk about how we're going to handle it. And we would try to, you know, be consistent so that if he is with the child at one point and I'm with the child separately, that we're doing the same things and we're on the same page. So let's talk about what God has to say about raising children. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9, it says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. So the the piece I really want to pay attention to is this repeating them again and again to your children. That is training, that repetitiveness. You know, God is uh, clearly showing us that we're going to have to repeat in order for our children to remember, okay? And then he says, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. This particular phrase right here was sort of the clincher for me when it came to deciding whether or not I wanted to homeschool our kids. Because I felt like in order to walk that out, I needed to actually be with my children. And it is so true that education is discipleship. And I always say this, education is discipleship. Discipleship is rooted in relationship and relationships take time. And this is why I'm constantly reminding moms and myself to slow down. Uh, um, there's two pieces to the unhurried um, that I like to talk with about moms. The first is the unhurried in our hearts, taking the time to listen to the Lord's voice and do what He is telling us to do. We have to shut out the outside voices and focus on what God is telling us to do and walk in obedience to that. The other piece is just unhurried. Our kids having times in the day when they're not in a hurry and there's not a big checklist and they can go and explore and experiment on their own. And this is the beauty of homeschooling is that we can provide that kind of uh, discipleship for our kids and give them that time and space and, and, and allow ourselves that margin to slow down and listen to the Lord's voice. But as we're disciplining our kids, one of the biggest struggles, I know it was for me as well, is mom guilt. This is 
so uh, prominent, and we have to be really careful not to discipline out of guilt. And I can tell you there were countless times that I did discipline out of guilt or not discipline because I felt guilty. God is gracious. He understands our limitations. And the, the important thing is that we are learning. We are walking with the Lord and He is uh, discipling us as we're discipling our children. So we are learning in this process as well. We do not need to be perfect. We just need to be yielded to what God is telling us to do. And if we, you know, come out from that and we're not yielding anymore, then we need to come back under. So it's just, it's again, it's a training for us as well to continually be yielding our lives and our agenda to the Lord as we're raising these kids. So let's talk about mom guilt. One of the best ways to alleviate mom guilt is to take the time, obviously to pray. I just already mentioned that, but to differentiate between what is your responsibility as a parent and what is your child's responsibility? Because that's where I found it would get uh, messed up. The lines would blur and I, pretty soon I'm taking responsibility for things my kids need to take responsibility for. And we forget that we're in charge and we forget what, what our roles are. So the first thing that I want to talk about is I want to talk about what our responsibility is as a parent, biblically speaking, because again, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the parenting gurus think. It doesn't matter what our mother-in-laws think. It matters what God thinks, okay? So that's where we want to go for our direction. This is why it's important to uh, be in the Word. You know, it doesn't have to be for copious amounts of time. Obviously, as busy moms, sometimes um, we, we take quality over quantity, but just to be faithful, even if you fall off the wagon, get back on, uh, get back into the word. I have a devotional that's just for homeschooling moms called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. Um, that is a great way to reset. But let's talk about our responsibility, okay? Our responsibility is to train our children in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord, Okay, that is what the scripture says. I took that from a verse and I forgot to put down the reference for it, but that's what it says, to train them in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So this discipline is like this training that I was talking about earlier. It's consistency. Um, It's, you know, one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids is being consistent. Even if we're not 100% right in you know how we're doing it, obviously we're not going to do it perfectly, but if we're consistent, they understand what the boundaries are and we are as consistent as possible about those. Now, I have found that when I don't want to be with my children, generally speaking, sometimes it's burnout, but sometimes often that burnout happens because I have not been good about keeping consistency with the boundaries, Um, taking responsibility for what's mine and making my kids own up to what is their responsibility. And this is why we always say often in the homeschooling uh, world that character trumps curriculum. Now, why is that? Okay, let's talk about that for a second because if our children are um, walking in bad character, the homeschooling is going to be much, much, much more difficult. You will have much more motivated children, teachable children, if we are disciplining. And this is why taking the time to stop 
and deal with these issues is so important. Now, I'm going to tell you um, how far I was willing to take that. Sometimes when I saw that everything was just sort of like fraying at the edges, I would take a week or two. I would basically just tell my kids, until this, you know, you guys are doing your chores with a good attitude in a timely way, in the way that they're supposed to be done. Um, Obviously, I'm not expecting perfection, but um, until you guys are doing that, this is what I would tell my kids, uh, more consistently, we are dropping schoolwork. This is all we're going to do. You won't have free time. You won't have that margin in the afternoon that I usually give you because you need to practice this more because clearly it's not sinking in and because it's you're not getting it, we need more practice. That's how we get better at something, right? Is we practice it. So it would be similar to like military training. You know, that's they do things over and over and over and over again until it is done in a way that is acceptable. So I would take the time to give the, you know, have them do a chore have a specific amount of time to get it done in that was reasonable and I would inspect it. And if for the most part, they had a good attitude, you know, you look at their heart as far as how well the job was done, were they making a good effort? Doesn't obviously have to be perfect, but that doesn't mean you can't tell them to fix something. And um, so timing, attitude, and um, just the completeness of the job. And if they were able to do that, for a couple of chores, then I would usually cut them loose. But if it was an ongoing problem, we would just we would just do another chore. So they didn't get it done. They didn't have the right attitude. Okay, so you're going to finish this. Well, okay, now I'm going to give you another chore. When you're done with that, come back to me because I'm going to give you another chore. You know, a lot of times when they're doing the chore, they're kind of back talking and maybe being disrespectful. I would say, okay, when you're done with that, come back to me and I will be giving you another chore. And we did that over and over and over and over again. And you know, the, the flip side was I got a lot of things done in the house that needed to get done. You know, cupboards c- go into disarray very quickly with a large family. And so it was things like that, think little things around the house that just needed to get done. Sometimes with my boys, especially, um, maybe I wouldn't give them a chore, but I would have them do 10 push-ups. Every time there was, you know, this disrespect towards me. The other thing that I would often do is, you know, especially if we were were dealing with the way they were talking to me, I would specifically say, try that again. That was my way of saying you have one more chance to word that better with a better attitude or there's going to be consequences. And sometimes I would just say, you know, try it again. No, try it again try it again. You know, after two or three times, I'm like, okay, it's, you, you need some discipline. You need uh, to do push-ups. You need to do sit-ups. You need to go rake the yard. Um, so there's just, hopefully all those ideas are giving you some, uh, something to work with to start from. Obviously you don't have to do exactly what I did, but um, I wanted you to see the degree to which I was willing to take the time to deal with character issues with our kids, because I'm telling you guys, it makes all the difference in the world. If your child does not write the greatest essay when they graduate from high school, but they're honest, they have integrity, they're hardworking, they're teachable, they can do anything, anything. And, and, and they will be motivated at a certain point to learn what they need to learn to do what God has given them to do and what they're 
passionate about. So this is why character trumps curriculum. So our, that's our responsibility. Now, how do we do that? How do we uh, train them in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord? There's three things we need to be doing. The first thing is we need to pray. I mentioned that earlier, but I can't emphasize that enough. God can change the hearts of our kids. You know, we can be feeling like we're hitting a brick wall with a kid and it's really a spiritual battle. God needs to get in there and do some work. And we pray that over our kids. We say, God, I've done everything I know to do. Is there something else that I should do? Um, show me, I'm willing, but God, please just change their hearts. Help them in this area. And he is so faithful. He will give us direction. The second thing is we, want, we need to seek. We need to seek wisdom. And obviously, you know, in a world that is just teeming with information, this can get overwhelming. And we need to be careful. Obviously, um, I mentioned prayer first because we pray and ask God for wisdom. We ask him to bring to us what he has for us instead of just running to Google right away or running to somebody else, but asking God, Lord, what do you have? And he will bring along a person, an article, something that will give you wisdom. I'm not saying that you can't Google anything. I'm not saying that at all, but just be careful not to be too quick to be leaning on and depending on that. His word says to trust in him with all of our hearts, to lean not on our own understanding in all our ways to acknowledge him. And we do that by praying first. And he he will direct our paths. And then it goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So we're seeking God. Proverbs is chock full of wisdom showing us what it, what wisdom looks like played out in real life. Very concrete ideas and pictures of what this looks like. So Proverbs is a great parenting tool. You know, we often, when our kids are born, we, we just, they seem so innocent. We feel like we need to protect them. And in so many ways we do. But the truth is that our kids come to us with a sinful nature. Our kids come to us messed up. You know, we're worried about messing them up, but we need to remember that biblically, what the Bible says is that our kids come with a sinful nature. So our job is to train them like we said before, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the purpose of all of this is to save them from themselves. This is our biggest job, you guys, pointing our kids back to the gospel, training and teaching them what, is a, what does a godly life look like? And as we're training and teaching them this, eventually they get to the point where they realize, I can't do this by myself. Like, I need help. I can't, I can't um, be this person that I know I'm supposed to be because that's what I've been trained to see as, you know, this is what godliness looks like. And they realize I can't do it on my own. And that's that point at which they can own their walk with God. And we just say, look, we can't do, none of us can do it on our own. We need Jesus. We need the gospel. We need his redeeming grace to transform us and change us. That's where we get that opportunity to really uh, help connect the dots um, for our kids' salvation, for them owning it. I love uh, Paul Tripp's parenting book called Gospel-Centered Parenting. He says this, in every moment when you are parenting, you are being parented. In every moment when you are called to give grace, you are being given grace. In every moment when you are rescuing 
and protecting your children, you are being rescued and protected. So we are doing this. God is doing this in our lives um, and also in our children's lives as we walk alongside of each other. So praying, seeking, and the last thing is we need to obey. Proverbs 29, 15, and 17 says, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. How many times have we been disgraced in the grocery store, right? And we often feel guilty because it's like, well, I didn't see that coming, you know. Um, I thought I trained them better or they've never done this before. Um, So they misbehave in the grocery store. You know what? That's because, first of all, our kids have sinful hearts, right? The the real um, issue is what are we going to do with it? Are we going to let them get by with it? Or are we willing to set that cart aside and take the child out of the store, if need be, and deal with them? Okay? These are the inconveniences that discipline and training bring. But the result is so, so worth it. So I read uh, the 17th verse, um, or sorry, that was 29.15. I am, verse 17 says, discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and make your heart glad. So walking in obedience to God when it comes to training and disciplining and instructing our kids yields great rewards. Peace of mind is a great reward, isn't it? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's very interesting because a lot of people want to camp on that verse and use it as a guarantee that eventually, if your child is raised right, and then they walk away from the Lord, that they will come back. And that is not what that is saying here. Um, I, I don't have a full understanding of the interpretation, but I was doing a little research on it. But it's, it's really that word should isn't really a proper interpretation. It's, this is actually really helpful when it comes to homeschooling because it's saying that um, you want to work with your child's bents, um, their giftings, instead of trying to make them be something or someone else, you uh, walk them, walk with them and encourage them in their giftings. And I, I can't go into depth on it because I didn't read far enough into it, but I thought that was very interesting. But the point of the verse and the point of everything that I'm saying here is that you are and should be your child's greatest influence, especially in the early years. You know, we talk about socialization. That is different than socializing. To me, socialization, uh, when somebody says that word, they're, they're wanting me to dump my child into a situation uh, with, where they're just with a bunch of kids their own age for copious amounts of time. To me, first of all, I can't carry out the, the uh, instruction of the Lord to uh, train and discipline my children and walk alongside of them if I'm not spending time with them. If my child is spending most of their time with other children who are also born foolish and comes from and come from who knows what kind of homes with who knows what kind of standards, um, all of a sudden they become the influence in our children's lives. And this is one of the reasons that we homeschool is we want to uh, we want to instill our values into our kids. We want to train them in the in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
So all that to say, it is okay for us to be the majority of our children's influence, especially in the early years, because you're laying a foundation. What we want to do is we want to um, have a relationship with our kids that is based on trust, but it's also based on respect and what God calls out as the boundaries in a family. So in these early years especially, but even through the teen years, we are helping to shape our kids' worldview. And this is our job as parents. You know, the world wants to come in and tell us that we're brainwashing them, that we're, you know, we're doing all these things. And you know what's really happening? They want to brainwash our kids. They want to be the ones to tell them um, what's right and what's wrong. And they're trying to guilt us into allowing them to do that. Somebody is going to influence our kids. Someone is going to train our kids. Who is that going to be? So remember your role as a parent. You are in charge. And obviously with responsibility or with that privilege comes responsibility. And we want to remember that God tells children to obey their parents, but then he also goes on to say that we should not provoke our children to anger by the way that we treat them, okay? So we have a responsibility. Again, that responsibility is very clearly laid out in that scripture, and that's the scripture I wanna talk about next because next I wanna talk about what is their responsibility. Um, I could have gone on and on about what our responsibility is, but I just tried to hit the highlights um, and just uh, reassure you that it's okay to be the parent, Okay, one of, the beauty, one of the beauties of homeschooling is that we are with our kids all the time. And so all kinds of things come to the surface. The work that God wants to do in our hearts as well as our kids' hearts. And we get the opportunity to see these character issues. I know often, often it can look like an obstacle, but it's really an opportunity. Thomas Edison said opportunity is missed by most because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Working on character is work. It takes work. It takes discipline on our end to to be consistent and to do what God's called us to do. So let's talk about what our kids' responsibilities are. Their main responsibility as a child is to honor and obey their parents. That's it. And I've told my kids along the way, you know, that is a very, it's not an easy command, but it is a very simple command because God knew he couldn't give them this big long list of things. They wouldn't remember them all, right? So he said to them, just honor and obey your parents. And he set it up that way in such a beautiful way that God honors our kids when they honor their parents. You know, um, along the way, even I know for myself as a teenager, I would have disagreements with my parents and I would be, you know, I would just be like, I know my mom is wrong about this. And I would go talk to my dad about it. And And he would look at me and he would say, I understand where you're coming from and you could be right but your job is to honor your mom. And you know, it was interesting because it really gave me a taste of what it looks like to do the hard thing, like to go ahead and honor my mom, even though I felt like she was wrong in a situation. Um, When I did that, there was such a good feeling and such a peace that I had obeyed God and that it didn't matter anymore 
who was right and who was wrong. You know, looking back, I don't even know what it was about. It wasn't a big deal. It was just, you know, you know how teenagers are. We just, you know, we're just convinced we're right. I don't know who was right and who was wrong in reality. But that lesson really stuck with me. And it is an opportunity for our kids to do the hard things sometimes because parents aren't perfect. We make mistakes. And I would tell my kids that along the way. Look, I, you know, you're just going to have to trust me. If I'm wrong, God will hold me accountable. But if you do the right thing in spite of me being wrong, God's going to honor you. That's not going to come, that's not going to come back on you. It's going to come back on me if I'm wrong. But if you do the right thing in spite of me, God's going to honor it and he's going to reward you for it. And because that's the kind of God we serve. So in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. I used to jokingly tell my kids, quote this to them, you need to honor your father and mother and things will go well with you. You do meet, You do know that that also means if you don't do that, they are not going to go well for you on this earth. <laughs> that was my gracious way of saying you need to do this or else, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. That's their responsibility. It's simple. It's straightforward. I would tell my teenagers when we would have conflicts, I would say, you know, if, if I'm wrong about this, pray about it. Pray about it and ask God to show me if I'm wrong, but you still need to be respectful and you still need to honor my decision. You guys, this is our role as parents. Do you see when I said those things to my kids, I'm still keeping relationship with them. I'm not telling them it's my way or the highway. I'm telling them this is what I think is, I, is what I'm supposed to do. And your job is to honor that and God will honor you. And it just makes things so much more cut and dried and clean, you know? me taking responsibility for my part, them taking responsibility for their part. And the other thing that I want to mention to you is I remember as uh, teenagers, often my kids would, you know, I would be dealing with an issue with them and they would try to flip it on me. And I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious. I never felt like it was totally intentional, but but maybe sometimes it was, they would basically be trying to flip the whole thing so that they wouldn't have to uh, be accountable or admit that they were wrong. And I would, they would, you know, I would be talking to them and they would look at me and say, you know, but you, this, that, and the other thing, you do this all the time or, you know, whatever. They would, they would point out some character flaw in me. And I would just look them in the eyes and I would say, I am willing to talk about that, but not right now. Right now we are dealing with your responsibility in this situation. And we would finish dealing with that, take a break, and then I would try to make a point to go back to them later on and say, okay, what is it you wanted to talk about that you have issues with me on? And you know, mo- nine times out of 10, they would say, oh, mom, it wasn't really anything. I was just trying to get out of it. I was trying to get out of getting in trouble. So do you see how that works? If we can clarify and just have that, that defining line between what is their responsibility and what is our responsibility. So that that passage, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, talks about their role, and then it goes on and talks a bit about our role 
says fathers, it, it really just means parents in general, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Oh, that's where that that's where that verse came from that I was reading earlier. So here's the thing. We can provoke our children sometimes. We can exasperate them. Sometimes when I am not paying attention to their heart and I'm only looking at the product or the behavior or what it is, um, maybe the, the project they're working on or the job that they're doing, and I'm expecting perfection, that's when I'm going to exasperate my children. And, and the other thing that can happen is um, legalism. Legalism can be a huge, uh, huge obstacle in our parenting, and it can negate the work that we're, that we're trying to do with our kids and that God is trying to do in their hearts. We need to really be careful not to be legalistic in, in how we're disciplining our kids. You know, we, we obviously want our kids to obey but I have seen that taken to a ridiculous degree. Um, we need to keep the heartstrings tied with our kids and focus on the heart. Is the heart, does the heart have, um, does our child have an obedient heart where they're, they're really trying to honor and, and, and obey us, okay? That doesn't mean they're going to do it perfectly. And, you know, you can get behavior out of a kid and never have a heart change. So we need to be careful that we're staying in tune with the Lord and asking him for wisdom to give us insight into our children's hearts. So when we talk about kids honoring their parents, what does that look like? I looked up the word honor and it basically means regard with great respect, hold in great respect, in high esteem, have regard for, um, admire, look up to, think highly of, and appreciate. You know, that comes, so much of that would come through relationship and mutual respect with our kids. So um, this whole thing, we're demanding honor and not treating our children with uh, just common decency, common courtesy, um, you know, treating them the way we would want to be treated in the same circumstances. Um, if we do those things, that is how honor is built up for us from our children towards us. But it also means that we have to draw a line sometimes. We cannot let our kids speak to us in a disrespectful tone. One of my favorite things to do with that along the way is, like I mentioned earlier, just say, um, try that again and listen to the words and listen to the tone. The other thing is they learn how to correct themselves when they that is a, like a training session there because I'm not telling them what to say. I'm forcing them to think, first of all, about what would sound more respectful. And second of all, the self-control to change their tone. These are very, very important things for our kids to know because when they go into the adult world and they're in a situation where maybe they've got a hot-headed boss or a boss who's being unreasonable or... Um, difficult coworkers, they will know and be aware of their words and their tone as they speak to other people. And they will be able to be a light in this world because as we look around, we're seeing a, a huge lack of self-control and people just saying whatever they want, however they want to say it with, not, with no um, 
care about the ramifications and how it's going to affect other people. And it's in these little character training scenarios throughout the day that we are investing that type of of work into our kids that will result in good fruit. So character is important. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, honor your father and mother so that you will live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. So again, this this respect that our kids need to pay attention to us. I sometimes hear children, small children, talking to their parents in a way that is completely unacceptable. And they don't know that it's unacceptable because the parents aren't telling them, don't speak to me like that. That is not okay. So be aware, parents, of how your children are speaking to you from a very early age. And make sure that you are dealing with it and training them and telling them, no, that's not okay this is okay. And so they're getting that training that um, that the Bible is talking about. Okay, I do not, uh, again, a little bit more about that. They don't get to talk to us as a peer. That, that is an, um, I give you an example, you know, my kids, especially in their teen years, um, especially my boys, for some reason, I would, I would kind of get this there would be times when it, it, I, it, I could hear that they were sort of talking down to me or talking to me like I was just one of their buddies. And as soon as I would catch that, I would really try to look at them and say, look, I am, uh, you know, I want to be your friend, but I'm first of all your mom. So you don't talk to me like that. I know that's how you might talk to a friend or peer. I, I'm not a peer. I'm your mom. And the other thing that I ran into sometimes with our boys in the teen years, girls too, so I don't want to, you know, leave them out of this scenario, but there's this pushback because our our teenagers, um, it's natural. They start to begin to realize that they are really very separate from us and they can make their own choices. And and it's true. They can make their own choices. Um, They need to have an understanding of what that means, that they are going to also, if they make the choices, they are going to feel the consequences. Moms, dads, as parents, we need to not save our kids from those consequences. I mean, obviously there are scenarios where we might need to step in, but as much as possible, natural consequences are the best way to train our kids. I'll give you an example. One of our, couple of our boys were fighting over a pair of handcuffs one time. And I don't remember how old they were. I want to say, you know, 11, 12, something like that. And I just looked at him and said, stop, you guys need to quit. And I warned him a couple times and they didn't stop. So I handcuffed them together because clearly they needed to do something together to learn to get along. And I took them to the bathroom and I gave them uh, scrub brushes and uh, some cleaner and I made them clean the bathtub together handcuffed. They begged me. They said, mom, we promise not to fight anymore, please. And we'll clean the bathtub really well, but it's almost impossible with these handcuffs. Um, can you take them off? And I didn't. I said, no. I mean, I think I just had gotten to the point where it's like, okay, this is an ongoing problem. This needs to be fully dealt with. And I felt like if I if I lightened the consequences at all, I wasn't going to get the results. The point wasn't going to be made. So I did not let them. And they finished it. And they worked together and they got it done. And the point was made. So sometimes we have to go to sort of like great lengths, take the time to go to great lengths to train our kids. So ask God for wisdom. Like how can we be creative about natural consequences? What kind of consequences fit this scenario, right? That is um, such an effective way to discipline 
We need to make sure that our kids aren't speaking to us as though they have authority over us because not because we say they don't, but because God says they do not. And we need to make sure that we hold that line. And obviously, as they're getting older and they're pushing back, we need to have more conversations. But those conversations always, always, always need to be respectful. And obviously, respectful both ways. But as parents, we can still be respectful and draw the line and say, this is what needs to happen. And we can do it respectfully. And likewise, they need to speak to us respectfully. And if they can't, maybe it's time to like hit the pause button and just tell them, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think and pray about this, and we'll get back together and talk about it. But I'm not going to talk to you when you're talking to me like this. So these are really important things to take the time to do. And like I said before, legalism will, will completely um, suck the life out of and like uh, have a negative effect on training and discipline and exasperating our kids will also do that. And I love that God makes sure that he warns us about that. Again, we want to keep a mutual respect in the relationship. Uh, Several years ago, I was talking to a dental hygienist um, that was cleaning our youngest son's teeth. Uh, He was nine at the time, and she said that he needed to brush better around his gums. And I knew that he wasn't going to be able to pull that off without my help. So I told her that I would be the one to brush his teeth at night. And she was thrilled that I would be willing to do this. And that, uh, and, and that Silas was like, sure, that would be fine. He was completely on board with that plan. And then she went on to tell me that she deals with parents all the time who don't help brush their kids' teeth because their child, quote unquote, won't let them. Parents, this is a problem. If your nine-year-old won't let you do something, you have a character issue that you need to deal with. And so um, I would encourage you to really get some good counsel, some good wisdom. Um, Obviously, the scripture is the first place that I'm going to send you. And I'm going to tell you to pray and ask God to give you wisdom. And as he does that, you walk in obedience to that. I can recommend gospel-centered parenting and shepherding a child's heart as probably two of my top favorite parenting books. Shepherding a Child's Heart was written by Paul Tripp's brother, Ted. So Paul Tripp wrote Gospel-Centered Parenting and and, um, Ted Tripp wrote Shepherding a Child's Heart. And in this summer, in uh, several podcasts down the road, I'm going to have Ginger Hubbard join me on a podcast and she will be talking about uh, her book called Don't Make Me Count to Three that really gets into the the nitty gritty of disciplining. And uh, I'm excited to have her on there. It's sort of the companion book to Shepherding a Child's Heart. Now, as parents and just as human beings, as believers, we also deal with struggles along the way. And I'm no different than you. And I've had many, 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 many struggles along the way. And I always just, you know, sometimes it takes me a while, but I often just go back to God and just keep bringing them to Him. And there's a lot of times that He doesn't seem to take them away. Like these struggles that I'm having, I'm like, why aren't you removing this? Why aren't you taking these inner, this inner turmoil away? I don't understand them. I don't know what he's doing in all of them. And I tell him all of that and I feel helpless. But then I, I just keep talking to him about it. Um, because in the meantime, he's giving me grace for each day and sometimes just a moment at a time. But some moments, it honestly doesn't feel like he's doing enough. 
And more than once I have opened my Bible and read this. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which every child receives some measure of discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Furthermore, we had our natural fathers discipline us and we respected them for it. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for a benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Don't you love that? That's God's view of discipline. It is training. I love what he's saying here, that if God didn't discipline us, if God wasn't, the fact that he's disciplining us is evidence that we are his child. All of a sudden, it changes how I view the discipline that he is is doing in my life, this training that he's doing in my life. And, and then also, he goes on to say, um, and I've actually said that to my kids, you know, if I didn't care, I wouldn't bother disciplining you because it's work for me. It's inconvenient for me, but I do it because I love you and I want you to grow up knowing what's right and wrong. Sometimes we need to stop and explain that to our kids, that we love them and we have their best interest in mind. And then this this passage goes on to talk about our natural fathers. Like they did the best they could, right? Our parents did the best they could with what they knew, right? And that's what we're doing as well. But God disciplines us for our good, And I mean, we still even respect the fact that our parents did whatever they did, but God disciplines us for our good. Our parents discipline us for a short time. We are disciplining our children for a short time and certainly not perfectly. And it isn't enjoyable at the time, but painful. But he goes on to say, later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There are good results and good fruit from being consistent and plotting and just persevering in this area of discipline. Now, I'm probably, you're probably a lot like me. And um, if I asked you if you wanted to become more like him, he would say yes. I mean, if, if you asked me if I wanted to become more like him, more holy, I would say, oh yes, absolutely. And if you asked me if I wanted more peace and righteousness in my life, I'd say yes. But what if I had to endure suffering to get that? It's tempting to think that if we're living right, we won't suffer, right? But God clearly says here that we will suffer. And he will use this discipline, not only to show us that we really belong to him, but also to make us holy and to yield more peace and righteousness in our lives. And the same thing is true for our children. So as we are disciplining them, and I love this word that they, that he he uses here, um, there's suffering involved in discipline. Right, And it is so hard to watch our kids suffer. It's hard to see them pay those natural consequences for their actions and for their choices. And this is something we really need to point out to our kids. I don't like this. Like, I just want you to do the right thing, but I can't make you do that. 
It is your decision, okay? We need to remember our kids make choices and we need to look at those choices and understand that those choices are their choice, not our choice. It's not what we would choose for them. My problem that I ran into as a mom is that I would so badly not want them to suffer that I would like start taking responsibility for pieces of it so that they wouldn't have to suffer as much. And the bottom line is we do need to take responsibility for our part, but sometimes we overdo it and we don't let our kids experience the natural consequences. You know, I think about parents who are parenting in other countries where there's much more danger. You know, there's um, soldiers everywhere. There's, you know, maybe traffic that isn't well-regulated. Just missionaries in, you know, native countries where there's, you know, danger of, you know, whatever, all kinds of things. Here's the thing, you guys. Those parents need to be able to call out to their child to stop. And that child needs to be so trained to stop to the sound of their voice and be tuned into the sound of their voice because it could be life or death for them. Okay? This is where we've sort of lost that um, importance. You know, if we had that in our own lives, we would all of a sudden. Um, want our kids to be much more responsive to our voices. But because we live in a culture where they're fairly safe, um, we tend to let that go. And so we need to be able to, we need to be able to call out to our child who's running out toward the street and say, stop. And they hear our voice and they instantly stop in their tracks. You guys, it could come to that at some point. We don't know. You know, we could be in a scenario someday that we don't expect and we need our children to not ignore our voices, but to be tuned into them. And this again is why discipline is so important. It can mean a matter of life and death or at least, um, you know, being hurt or, you know, who knows what. So we need to make sure that we are remembering how important this is. You know, um, Back to us and and God's discipline in our own life. He is disciplining us while we discipline our children. We are part of that. We are having to discipline ourselves to allow our kids to feel the consequences for their actions, even though that pains us, okay? That is a discipline for us as well. But again, it leads to a harvest of peace and righteousness for those who have been trained in it. So I don't know about you, but somehow I thought, uh, you know, along the way that I could get holiness, peace and righteousness in like more of a superhero fashion, right? That would, uh, you know, that I would actually feel good about, about it while I'm going through the process. Maybe even cavalier, but nope, it's not even close. It's the same thing with our children. Our kids are not going to be excited when we have to discipline them. For some reason, I thought, you know, my kids will be able to have the big picture. They'll be able to see my heart for them. um, And they'll appreciate my difficult decisions of choosing what's best for them over their own comfort and desires. But that wasn't even close. It still isn't. (laughs) You guys, this is just, this is the truth. But it's the reminder that we so often need, that I so often need, because even in, you know, 28 years of parenting, honestly, quite frankly, I wear thin more quickly than I used to. In some ways, it actually becomes easier to ignore things. Um, On the one hand, I 
don't, um, I'm not willing to die on as many hills. I know the hills that are worth dying on and the ones that aren't. So that's an advantage of being an older parent, but I can also much more easily ignore things. I also have hindsight and a much clearer picture than I used to. So here's the thing. God will discipline our children perfectly for their benefit. You know, as they go into adulthood, it will be God disciplining them. God is using us. He disciplines through us right now. And as they become adults, he disciplines uh, through circumstances and more directly with them. We are part of that process as parents. And we need to remember that that is a big part of our role. So God will discipline them perfectly for, for their benefit, but for the little while that we have them, it is important that we discipline them as well. God is using us for that. Like I said before, we are the tool that he is using much of the time to do that. And it's based on what seems good to us, right? So we need to be seeking the Lord and asking him for wisdom. Even though it's, you know, our discipline with our kids is clearly not perfect, God calls us to do it anyhow. And he will use it perfectly in his timing, in his own way. Look to him. Ask him for wisdom along the way. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Do you hear of that? That means that that discipline that isn't perfect, that walking out that we're doing that isn't perfect, doesn't keep God from giving us wisdom. So it says, uh, he will give wisdom to all without finding fault, um, and it will be given to him. But if we believe and not doubt, we are like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. We should not think we'll receive anything from the Lord. We're double-minded in all and unstable in all we do. We don't want to be double-minded and unstable in disciplining our kids. We want to be consistent. So I encourage you to, you know, if you're married, get together with your, your spouse and talk about what that looks like at this season of the game. You'll have to revisit it over and over and over again. My husband and I used to weekly have a date, especially when we had teens and younger ones. We would have a state of the union where we would sit and talk about the week. We'd talk through each child, what we saw going on with them, if we saw any things we were concerned about, so that we were on the same page as to how to handle things. Because sometimes he had input that um, or experience that I didn't have with that child, and my perspective was skewed, and he would help bring balance to it. So make sure you're on the same page so that you are consistent. We will never do this perfectly. Um, God knows our kids better than we do, so we pray and we seek and we walk in obedience. Um, he understands our limitations, um, and, he, and He knows we'll never do this perfectly, but He is gracious and He honors our efforts. Jesus disciples us as we disciple our children. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. God, thank you for reminding us today how important it is that we discipline and train and instruct our children, Lord. It is a privilege and an honor And as I always say, the days are long, but the years are short. Our children will spend most of their time as adults 
it's important that we make the most of this time that we spend with them. Let us not be distracted. Let us not compare, but let us camp out on the principles that you have laid down in your word when it comes to parenting our kids. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us clear direction. You know them better than we do, and you know us better than we know ourselves. Give us wisdom and direction and peace and discernment, Lord, and give us the strength and the fortitude and the perseverance to walk faithfully in obedience to you, Lord because you will honor it, Lord. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.